0: I know I
1: can last forever. Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costaville, and I am so glad you're listening in. Array of Hope produces many forms of media such as films, music, and events. But the A Reason for Hope podcast is different for us. It gives us the opportunity to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith and our church. And you know what? This is our very first episode of season three. This is exciting. It's been wonderful for us here at Array of Hope to share the faith with all of you. So have you ever looked at yourself and asked the question, who am I? How do you see yourself? How do you think others see you? I mean, is your worth based on your financial success or what people think of you publicly? Is it based on how you dress or how you look? Do you feel that you need to keep up a certain presentation or appearance to be accepted so when people see you, they like you? What about your social media presence? Are you striving to gain a certain number of likes or shares so you feel that you're popular? All this is hard to keep up. I mean, it's exhausting. How do you feel God sees us? Does it matter to Him whether we have the latest car or that we have thousands of followers on Instagram or Facebook? I don't think so. God wants us to affirm our inner beauty, the beauty that rests on the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God, the creator of the universe. So that's the subject of our podcast today. It's titled True Beauty. And our guest today is Leah Darrow, and she is awesome. So welcome back to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. Okay, Davide. Hello. Is that the Davide. Prob- come on. Dav- no, Davide. Um, no. who, who says David. David. Yeah, there you go. That's David. Spanish. That David.
2: But Davide. You're, you're Italian. Say Davide. <laughs> I don't
1: think. I don't <laughs> I think, think it's Davide. Is that, Davide? Is I don't think David is an Italian word.
2: No, but I think Davide is Italian for David.
1: But it isn't an Italian word.
2: And no, but I think that's how they Are say it. Aren't you Italian? Right? I am. How'd you come up with David? I didn't come up with it. My mom did. She's Italian too.
1: Yeah, you told me that she's the the only Italian you know that doesn't cook. Yeah, it's an
2: aberration. It's yeah. a crime it's against nature. Crazy, crazy. How I, did that happen? I, I, I don't know, but um, well, yes. En- enough of that. Let's not. Uh, yeah. Let's not, so uh, this, this this episode is, like is really going
1: to be kind of cool. Bad, it's not going to be bad. about Italian women that don't cook. <laughs> it's actually um, about uh, you know, it's about. Let's just start.
2: Let's just start over.
1: <laughs> um, the Whole thing,
2: yeah, We're yeah. we gonna, we gonna keep it. We're gonna keep
1: any of that. We could talk about your mother a little bit. What <laughs> difference does it make? Here we are, beginning of season three. Isn't it amazing? I can't believe it's it. It's really cool that we're at it again. This episode is actually going to air on Halloween. Did you know that?
2: Uh, yes, <laughs> I
1: did. Okay, well, then you missed a know it all, but uh, what does your family do for Halloween, Dave?
2: Okay, so we've gone back and forth with this, mm-hmm. uh because. We know a lot of people. Uh, we're a homeschooling family. You know a lot of people who homeschool oh. who are really sort of like not into the Halloween thing at all. Um, oh. Because they really associate a lot of like negative elements with it. Um, perhaps even demonic and dark elements with it. Um, and Well, it
1: has been commercialized like that. Yes.
2: You know, and, which is kind of a shame. I have my own opinions about why that's become all the more focused on these days. Mm. But... um, so, anyway, so we, we know that there's, like, a group that, like, just doesn't do Halloween, and they'll focus on the fact of All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they'll do, like, dress up like saints. Right? right. But I guess to us, like, our kids dressing up like characters, as long as they're not, you know, going over the top and going out and getting free candy, that neither one of those things are intrinsically evil no right i don't even think so, even catholic you know know <laughs> so so like in that <laughs> sense <laughs> in that sense i you trick know we, we kind of like are really okay with the kids dressing up right. and the kids going out to the neighborhood and getting candy from people they know anyway from town cuz yeah. they've grown up in the same town their whole lives and, and so it's it's and it, it's nice the way that our town does it cuz like 2 hours on halloween from like 5 to 7 is the time that people trick or treat so you yeah. go out, you see everybody, everybody's out. Yeah. Now, you know, I mean, is there some of it that's over the top? Like some, gosh, people dr- decorate yeah. more for Halloween than they do for Christmas. Yeah. And it's all like death and blood and, yeah. you know. Cemeteries. De- yeah, exactly. It's So it's so it's over the top. Yeah, it is. I actually, we could probably have a whole nother podcast on this, but I think it's because people who have lost faith in God in, our, mm. in a culture that's become secularized are trying to deal with the reality of death. Mm. And so this becomes like a whole thing for them in an, in an extreme way because they don't know what to do with death. Yeah. You know, but again, maybe that's too philosophical.
1: Well, I mean, Halloween, uh, has always been fun for our family. Uh, Sue, my wife, would be oh, go over the top. She would make these costumes, and she made them herself. She, made them. You know, uh, Lauren one year was a stop sign, you know, where she was. It was so fun. And and one year, uh, my other daughter, Nikki, uh, was a human hot dog, you know. So she would make all these things. It was really cool and make dresses for them. Uh, it was. I, I have, you know, great uh, memories of Halloween in our family. Um, I do the, a
2: lot of the corny joke ones, you know, like the hat that has the leaf on, hanging off the rim and you blow it. Right. And you're a leaf blower. You're a leaf blower.
1: That's funny. Uh, only fathers would recognize the, the humor in that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, Halloween, of course, actually means All Hallows' Eve, right? Which is really the night before All Hallows or All Saints' Day. Right,
2: right, you know? right. Yeah, that's great. And many people it don't even great. know that, that. It's really about All Saints. Yeah. All those people are out on Halloween and and they're really just celebrating the night before well. All Saints' Day. Don't let the word get out. They'll they'll cancel it.
1: So a little segue, Dave. Uh, Dressing up, makeup, you know, hiding your true self. These are things that make me think about how our world thinks about beauty. As a matter of fact, our guest today is Leah Darrow, which is... She was amazing and really great. So, Dave, let's talk about beauty a bit.
2: Okay. So, like, I think it's important for us to ask a question. What is beauty? Mm -hmm. Uh, What is beautiful? And, And really... God is. God is beauty itself. Um, The dogmatic constitution on the Catholic faith from the first Vatican council, that constitution is called Dei Filius, states this, The holy Catholic, apostolic, and Roman church believes and acknowledges that there is one true and living God, creator and Lord of heaven and earth, almighty, eternal, immeasurable, incomprehensible, infinite in will, understanding, and every perfection. So, God is infinite in every perfection, and one of those perfections is beauty. Hmm. God isn't beautiful. God is beauty itself. Yeah. And now, Aquinas teaches us that all creatures, all created being, receives its being from God, and as a participated likeness In God as supreme being. So, what is this a fancy way of saying? That every perfection that is found in creatures shares in some way in that perfection in God. Okay? So, if God is goodness itself, any goodness that exists in creatures is a sharing in or participation in the goodness that is God. Okay, yeah, and so anything beautiful in creatures is a participation in the beauty that is God, you see. And in fact, it's the it's the special way in which the divine perfection is um, imitated that constitutes the the specific essence of a thing. Um, and so in fact, Any creatures, whether they be something like trees or or animals or human beings, um, whatever their essence is has to do with the way in which the perfections that exist in God are manifested in that particular kind of creature. Hmm. Now, why is this important? Well, obviously, there's going to be a greater amount of perfection in certain creatures than others. Prime example is that a human being has a greater perfection than an, an ordinary animal. Why? Because human beings are rational creatures made to the image and likeness of God. And so they share in God's perfections to a greater degree than like any other animal might, you see, or that plants might or trees. Mm-hmm. Um So I think that these are important concepts to have because uh, something is good or true or beautiful to the degree that it shares in God's own being as goodness, as truth, as beauty, you see? Um, And why this is important for a conversation on beauty is that in order to be beautiful, something must really imitate God who is beauty itself. So, in this sense, God is the standard for what is beautiful. Hmm. God is the standard. It, it means that, you know, obviously creatures are going to be uh, beautiful in relative degrees, but um, but anything we find that's beautiful is really beautiful because it reflects God and the being of God and the glory of God. These properties like truth, goodness, and beauty, they're called transcendentals. And while they're distinct, they're convertible. So what do I mean by this? That that truth is goodness. Goodness is beauty. Mm. You see, see? Um, and, and this is important because what you realize is that in order for something to be beautiful, it's got to be true. Yeah. And in order for it to be beautiful, it has to— be good so goodness is beautiful this is why holiness is the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. and it's also why sin is ugly Yeah, ultimately yeah.
1: well let's talk about the idea of human beauty I mean our world seems to be fixated on physical beauty right uh, so much so that a person's value can tend to be reduced to their sexual value yeah. um, where does this come from and why is it so problematic
2: well it comes from the fact that we view each other that way is comes from original sin Mm. so if you remember like in the garden of eden before original sin adam and eve were both naked but were not ashamed but after they committed the original sin their eyes were open they realized they were naked and they they covered up right their nakedness now the nakedness hadn't changed their way of seeing one another had changed. Their way of looking mm. had changed. So instead of seeing the person who is a body person, the person revealed, manifested in his or her body, which is how Adam and Eve saw each other with a certain purity of vision prior to sin, that when they saw the body of the other person, what they saw was the person, the beauty. And that, that, that's right. The beauty of their right. personhood right. manifesting itself in and through their body. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't just stop at the body. Right. They saw the person. Right. After sin, there's a reduction of the person to the body. Hmm. Interesting. You see? And so what winds up happening is now you're no longer looking at the person as someone who ought to be loved. But now I reduce the person to an object for my use. And so what winds up happening in this regard is that instead of seeing someone's personal value, I reduce them to their sexual value. Or instead of seeing the personal beauty of the whole person, body, soul, I stop at the physical beauty, Mm -hmm. right? Because it gives me pleasure on some level. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's important to to note, that that eventually— you could say lust that co- that is born out of original sin, is is really a lack of love that ought to be present. It's a it's a blindness to the truth of the person and in their integrity and in their wholeness. You see, mm-hmm. and I think that that's ultimately why we see today the reduction of persons to their bodies, the em- emphasis on sexual value, mm-hmm. um, and. Ultimately, the using of one yeah. another. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, what about like modesty and dress? You know, I mean, how does that factor in?
2: Actually, it's funny. You could go back to the same story of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. because the shame, you could say, that makes them cover up is not a shame that is saying the body's bad, so I need to cover it. It's really a protection. In other words, Adam and Eve cover up. What parts do they cover up? they cover up the parts that they might tend to be reduced to, their sexual parts, Hmm. right? In order for what? To get the other to focus on my person. In order for me to protect my dignity, my personal dignity, and to almost say, I will not allow you to reduce me to an object of use. You see? So shame actually has a positive sort of value. Mm. It, it 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 helps us to recognize that we have a certain dignity that we should safeguard and protect. Mm. You know? When somebody walks into the bathroom and you just got out of the shower and you forgot to lock the door, you immediately go to cover up certain parts, don't you? Right. Right. And the reason you do that is because is is not because necessarily you're ashamed of your body. It's because you don't know how that person's gonna look or you don't want them to look in a certain way, right? Yeah. So I think that that's where modesty and dress comes in. Mm-hmm. What winds up happening with a modest dress is it actually, it actually contributes and fosters to a wrong way of looking and seeing. You know, it's like if you got it flaunted, well, that just teaches people to continue to look at you like an object, to continue to reduce you from your person to your body. And then you complain that people are objectifying you. I mean, like, you can't do that. You know, it just it doesn't make any sense. Of course, you shouldn't be objectified but you shouldn't objectify yourself. You shouldn't contribute to a, a false way of seeing your person. And in this way, I think that it's not a matter of dressing modestly because the body is bad or because you know our, our sexual organs are ugly or are dirty. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that we don't look properly mm. at one another because of the lust born in our hearts as a result of sin. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're protecting our dignity. And in fact, our dress should bring, you might want to say, bring people's attention to our countenance, to our personhood. We should dress in a way that highlights ourself as a person instead of distracts others from our person and brings their attention to all the parts that would just tend to have them reduce us and objectify us. Yeah,
1: that's great. Uh, great reflection great discussion Dave it's awesome I mean uh, the uh, interview today with Leah Darrow is going to be great it's going to bless a lot of people it's really going to reveal how beautiful we are praise God amen awesome.
3: what's going on you guys it's Alanis with Who's That Saint where I give you guys three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal Clue number one, we'll keep this one short with just a simple birth date, but this saint was born in the year 331 AD. So we got another early saint. Who's that saint? Clue number two, this saint not only married a man with a violent temper, but also lived with his mother who shared his short fuse. So this saint was patient and tirelessly prayed for their conversion to Christianity until finally one year before her husband's death, she, through God's grace, of course, successfully converted them. So who is that saint? And finally, clue number three, she gave birth to three children and two thirds of them entered the religious life. But unfortunately, the third one became lazy and vulgar. And in her worry for him, she sent him to Carthage for schooling to no avail as she found out he became a Manichaean and had a child out of wedlock. So she persisted in prayer. And that son is someone we know as St. Augustine. Who's that saint? If you guys guessed St. Monica, then you are correct. After her husband's premature death, St. Monica dedicated her life to raising her children. As a single mother of three, her deepest desire was to see her children following the Lord. And if you know anything about St. Augustine's story, then you know he did not exactly have the easiest arrival to seeing God's truth But St. Monica never stopped praying, and on one particular occasion, a priest urged her to remain steadfast in her prayers, saying that it was not possible that the son of so many tears should perish. After so many years of prayer, St. Monica finally saw her son give his life to the service of God. St. Augustine said that his mother's resilience and dedication to prayer is what led him to become the man of God he was meant to be. He even said that St. Monica was not only his mother, but the source of his Christianity. St. Monica, pray for us.
0: Ooh, who's who's
4: Hello again, everyone. This is Jack Garno from the Array of Hope Music Division, bringing you another Music Corner. Everything that reflects the awesomeness of God is beautiful. Naturally, because scripture teaches us that man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God, we can be absolutely certain that all human life is beautiful. What a blessing it is to have Leah Darrow on our podcast today to further speak to us about true beauty, and how we can identify it in our lives. Stay tuned because her interview is coming right up. The Array of Hope band wrote a song this past summer about the beauty of life. Because all life is a reflection of God's goodness, we wanted to help the church celebrate the gift of life with this song, which is specifically dedicated to the efforts of this year's One Life event in Los Angeles. Please enjoy this preview of our song, One Life.
1: Leah Darrow is a former model on reality TV. She experienced a life-changing conversion back to her faith during this period of her life. She has a driving passion to lead and inspire women to embrace the mercy of Christ in their lives. Through coaching, speaking engagements, her book, The Other Side of Beauty, and her podcast, she has created a beautiful sisterhood of incredible women who are striving to be the light in this world. Let's welcome Leah Darrow. So welcome. We have Leah Darrow in the house. How are you?
5: I'm doing well. I'm doing magnificent, actually. (laughs) That's
1: great. It's so nice uh, to meet you. It's so nice to be with you and spend some time with you. Thank you so much for coming on our channel, coming on our podcast and and being with us. So um, I have a lot of questions to ask you. Uh, but, uh, before we get into it, I always like to, um, just learn a little bit more about our guests, maybe their background. Uh, were you always, were you born a Catholic? Are you a cradle Catholic? Tell me a little bit about your childhood and, and where you grew up.
5: Yeah. So I I was born a Catholic. Yes. I was born into the church, um, I have a very long line of Roman Catholicism from just, yeah, many, many uh, family members down and born inside the church, raised inside the church, left the church, came back to the church, and mm. here we are.
1: So you reverted back. I did too. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, when did you leave?
5: Oh, it was a very slow departure, and it wasn't a departure where I, I definitely didn't, you know, announce my departure to right. the church or to anybody mm-hmm. else. It was just more of my actions and right. behaviors um, were 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 telling
0: mm-hmm.
5: me and others that I wasn't I wasn't uh, fully on board anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think what really what really helped that process of leaving um, was just this inability and it didn't have the tools or the skills to deal with shame mm. that comes from sin. And, um, that shame just come shame compounded over the years. And that compounding of shame began to bleed into a belief that this wasn't the place for me anymore. Like the, I'm not the person that needs to be here. I really felt like I was doing a favor, not being a Catholic anymore, because, um, like, look, I get it. I know what you guys believe. I'm messed up enough. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm not making it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's best that I'm just apart. Um, of course, we all know we're like what you know, like what that who who sends that message to people. Sure, <laughs> it's definitely not from God. Right. But I. But I believe that. But it, but it really happened um, from this long stream of not understanding how to deal with shame and really not understanding also the impact and the the breath of of mercy you know mm. just really like what mercy really is and how mercy plays into your life and so all of that kind of just created this in this moment for me where at some point i just realized i don't know if i should really tell people i'm catholic anymore <laughs> because i'm not I'm definitely not living it. Like I, mm-hmm. I definitely one of those people who gave Catholics a really bad name because for a while I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm Catholic. but Nothing in my life was, was complete, was congruent with that statement. So, you know, people hear this like, Oh, I guess that's a Catholic who does that on the weekends and that with those people. Um, so you know, I'm I you know I definitely own that that mm-hmm. I you know created a little bit of a problem there with congruency of when we say some someone is Catholic, uh, my life was definitely not matching it.
1: Well, we're gonna go back to that. So let, let me ask you. So when you came back to your Catholic faith, I'm sure uh, there must have been some form of transformative moment that drew you in. There must have been even a moment where you recognized that uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His teachings were the real teachings of hope and, and uh, what was that like? What was that coming back to the church and, and re-experiencing Christ like?
5: Yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it's what you hope it would be. You know, it's deeply transformative. It's full of hope. Mm. It's also um, full of full of pain. Um, because you're leaving behind an old life. You're leaving behind maybe old relationships or beliefs or thinking. Um, and you're, you're submitting yourself to truth. Mm. And so there's, there's pain there Mm -hmm. and it's good pain, but it's, but it's painful. There's also deep hope. I mean, that's like, that was the biggest thing. Like there was hope that my life could actually be better. Mm -hmm. And so for me, all of this, culminated into one particular event that really kind of was a springboard into my deeper reversion back to the church. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, I was living in New York and I was there modeling and working in the fashion industry after my time on America's Next Top Model, which is a reality TV show that I was on previously. Mm -hmm. And I was living in New York modeling and in that whole world. And it was really like, it was in the middle of a photo shoot when God just, I mean, he just, he literally spoke to my heart. He literally spoke to my heart because, and he was priming me prior to this, um, with a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of moments where I just became, you know, my soul became very irritated with Mm -hmm. my life. And then me realizing like this irritation is not anyone else's fault. Like you chose this. This is what you said you wanted, but now the thing that you want is not getting you the thing that you thought you wanted. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
5: So those things began to happen up until this moment. And I had this photo shoot for this international magazine. It was really in this moment where I just realized I was looking all around me and I was looking at all these people and I'm thinking, no one, no one here cares about me. (laughs) They don't care at all. They, They don't care if I drop dead in this moment they wouldn't care. They would probably call the police and then they go on throughout their day and go have tapas and cocktails, you know, down Mm -hmm. the street. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of began to realize like, okay, well, who does care about me? And I had a hard time finding people outside of honestly, like my parents of a list of people. And I realized that I had isolated myself from anybody who had a genuine, you know, concern and care for me.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: And in that process of what's going on, and I'm thinking about all this stuff in this middle of this photo shoot, You know, God spoke to my heart and he told me, I made you for more. Mm. And and I I remember shaking my head being like, no, no, no. That's, that's not true. That's not true. But I heard it again. I heard I made you for more. I made you for more. But after I, I ended up walking out of this photo shoot, I ended up going home. And, um, you know, I got into actually really dark space. Kind of after I walked out of the photo shoot and had like this moment of courage of like, this is not how I want to live my life. Like, mm. I c- I can't keep doing this anymore. Um, it was a great it was a great element of courage, definitely from the grace of God. Uh, but I walked out and I got home and I I just lost it. Mm. I didn't have that courage anymore, and things are very hard again. And I began to think that maybe life would be better without me in it, and I had some pretty dark thoughts. Mm. And those led me to really, really contemplate, you know, putting that thought into action. And, um, it was actually, uh, what, what, what took me out of that spiral of thoughts was I heard something on the radio or I, excuse me, I heard something on the TV and, um, the TV was left on for some reason in my apartment and, I rarely watch TV, so I don't know why it was on. I have roommates, but they weren't home. And I was in bed swirling with these very dark, dark, twisted thoughts of literally ending my life. And what broke me out of that thought was the radio was on and I heard this reporter and he said, "Um, "Is official, we just got word, John Paul II has just died. Mm. And I was like, and that's like, I was like, What? and you know for some i don't know why i have no clue why why this was the thing that brought me out of that spiral of thoughts but in that moment i i had this ridiculous idea that i must be the only catholic in the catholic church because i was like how could you leave me how could you leave me jp2 at this point when i hadn't even been practicing my faith for 10 years mm. um, but it I so connected to him as a kid. Um, he started his papacy in 1978. I was born in 1979. So he was really all I knew, you know, as terms of like church leadership. And so, um, he was like the consistent piece. And in this moment of my life, when I was really thinking about ending it, I was thinking like, well, I just lost him. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't know if it was the radio, I don't, or the TV. I don't know if it was something that they played right afterwards. I don't know, but I heard his voice say a million times, like he did all the time, as 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 he led the church. Um, Be not afraid. Yeah. And I just thought, what? Like, and again, I don't know. Like, maybe they had, like, maybe they were replaying something from him, or maybe it was from him. You know, from the other side. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not, and I'm not here to really debate that because I don't, it doesn't really matter. But yeah. that is when my feet hit the floor. That is when I called my dad. That is when I said, Dad, if you don't come get me, I'm going to lose my soul. And that's when my dad drove 2,000 miles to come pick me up and wow. take me back home.
1: Wow. Well, I'm sure uh, JP was praying for you. It's the visual of Divine Mercy Sunday, and Sister Faustine, I'm sure, mm-hmm. was probably connected to that as well and offering all the mercy and graces to you. It's amazing. Like, I always think about this um, you know, it's a grace when you can see God formulating his journey, his path for you. It's like, a you know, you live your life forward, but you understand it backward. I mean, I'm sure in retrospect, you understand very clearly that, you know, you had mm-hmm. these tuggings on your heart and all of a sudden JP goes, you know, dies. And, and it became had a lot of clarity for you at that moment. And that was the beginning of your mm-hmm. new trajectory, which is really a grace and beautiful, you know, that you recognize that and could see that. And it's a great story because it's inspiring to other people that when people suffer, when people are in trouble, when people uh, feel abandoned, uh, we just have to trust always, you know, and, and know that God is always directing, right? Um,
5: yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. Um, I want to step back a little bit. So, um, you know, you were a model. how did you how did you get involved in modeling? Was there uh, were you discovered in New York City or did just something that you always wanted to do when you were a kid? How did that end up happening?
5: yeah, I never wanted to do it. I never wanted to do it. <laughs> I, never to do it. Um, I never felt comfortable in front of the camera. I mm. still don't to this day. I still don't to this day. Um, I'm okay with like you know, being on a stage speaking to ten people, hundred people, or twenty thousand people. Um, but a photo shoot. Even to this day when I still do it for work, oh, it's just like a, I have to get myself with the mind, right mindset to go into it, knowing I'm doing it for good and not for you know evil like I was doing back then. But no, I've actually never wanted to do it. Um, I kind of fell into it. Um, There's a few things as a kid that I did, um, and it was just quick and easy money at the time. And then I kind of put it down. And then in college I picked it back up again just because I thought, well, there, you know, it's an easy way to make some money. I can do it really quickly. And so I just started doing that. And honestly, it was just very side gig type stuff. Mm. And the very the the big thing that kind of put me out there was being on the TV show. I, you know, auditioned for America's Next Top Model and Before I knew it, um, I was actually scouted to audition for the show. They had seen me at work and I was working at a shop in the mall and they came and got me. They're like, we think you should audition. I was like, okay, you know, um, and this is already the time when I'm not living my faith. So I mean, just prime picking for like, let's let's see how much more we can destroy people's lives. So they, you know, they 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 pushed me to the front of the line and I auditioned and I got on, and it was just a whirlwind. And that's just that's really my modeling history. It's not very exciting, it's also kind of very happenstance. And I what I've learned from that is it's really important to stop and give yourself time and space to think about what. You want to do and not what other people are, you know, offering you. Hmm. Um, because if I would have sat there and thought, I would have, I would have really, I would have come to the conclusion that I still come to this day like, I don't feel comfortable there. I don't like doing it. So, what is it that I like and why do I do it? And so, you know, I've realized through some, you know, deep self awareness, you know, work, um, that I, you know, liked being thought I liked the affirmation that it gave me. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was, I was seeking these, this element of affirmation. I was Mm -hmm. maybe seeking somebody to tell me that I was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, those are things that God continues has healed and continues to heal in me is, is insecurity on those areas. And, but recognizing them has created such a superpower so to speak with the Lord and me, because when you are aware of your weaknesses, you're, you're, a, you're, you're better able to fight them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not perfect, and I, I, I still need constant healing and grace from the Lord, but being just being aware of it has been such a blessing.
4: Hey, if you're enjoying this interview, be sure to check out the full video version on the Array of Hope channel. Subscribe for free at watch.arrayofhope.net. Then download the app by searching Array of Hope on your mobile device, Apple TV, or Roku.
1: you had mentioned that you were surrounded by evil and we truly need grace to overcome the evil that surrounds us. Um, Can you explain a little bit about the evil that you experienced?
5: Well, there's evil. So multifaceted. I mean, it's in, it's in many different areas. It's not just one. I think the industry that I was in was primed,
0: Mm.
5: primed for vice. So there's right. some there's some arenas in this world that you can work in that are that are not virtue based or have, have just lack it considerably. And definitely the modeling world is ripe with vice. And so um, yeah. So, so if you have any tendency, which we're all human. So we have all tendencies to these vices and we all have tendencies to virtue as well. Just mm-hmm. which, which one do you want to feed more? Um, but we all have those tendencies to, you know, being jealous or insecure or vain. And so, yes, I mean, I think I, I, I placed myself not knowingly into a arena. That was not, that did not have my back. Mm -hmm. That was not going to help me move forward. And it would actually, I would be helping really bring out more destruction in humanity by participating in this field the way that I did. And so it's very, you know, in particular for modeling, um, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, I know some, some elements don't have this as much but generally speaking, it's very objectifying. Mm-hmm. It objectifies in particular women and reduces women to a collection of body parts versus the whole. Mm-hmm. And that's contrary to, to how we should, should be understanding right. this concept right. of beauty. But yeah. those are, I mean, that's just like one of the, the main evils that I was participating in. And, and really what it was doing is my participation willingly in the obj- you know objectification of women me being one of them, but also being used to objectify other women. And then how that makes other women feel in this world when they see that, you know, that's what ends up happening is typically, you know, women view other women who are on these covers of magazines or on the billboards and they're either comparing themselves because they don't look like that or it produces envy and jealousy and hate. And then they attack that person or that model because, Mm Basically because they're, they're, they have, they have wounds on their, of their own.
0: Yeah.
5: And, um, I think those are some of the greatest evils that I was participating in. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of mm-hmm. other ones, but I think i i right off the top of my head. Those are like some pretty grave ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, ironically enough, you know, our today, our podcast, our theme today is true beauty. And, mm-hmm. uh, as you pointed out, many people, our culture views beauty as, um, physical beauty, uh, a person's mm-hmm. sexual value. Um, how do you see, you know, true beauty, um, in the person that you are and and what you're learning to understand beauty to be.
5: So I I wrote a book called The Other Side of Beauty and I did a lot of research on this element. I share my story inside that book, but I mm. also have um I also have a very heavy chapter in there that talks about really beauty. Like, what is that? Like, what does scripture say? What does God say? Like, what have some philosophers have said? And so mm-hmm. in there, I talk about how scripture looks at beauty and scripture talks about beauty in in a synonymous way um, as they speak about the glory of God. So when something is beautiful, you're really saying you're, you're witnessing the glory of God. And so that, if we kind of, if we change our definition of beauty of saying, if we say something's beautiful, like, does it reflect the glory of God? And if Mm -hmm. it doesn't, then maybe we should readjust where we're at. Um, Also, in terms of like other philosophers of what they said, Aquinas has got great information on this. And while he didn't come out with an exact definition of beauty, he did create these characteristics of what beauty is. And the idea that, uh, the reason why this is so important to kind of talk about is that we often think, well, beauty is just subjective. It's just the eye of the beholder. It's just, you might find something beautiful, but I might find something beautiful. And then, and then, When you do that, when you say there's no real definition, then everything's acceptable, and then you realize, well, that can't be the case because clearly, not everything is beautiful, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of have to go off these parameters. So what Aquinas did is he looked at beauty and he he talked about how like there needs to have clarity within beauty, meaning that what like it should be very um, there shouldn't be any pretending. You know, and it should you should be able to see exactly what it is for what it is and what it says it is. And it's um it's kind of like it's why the apple has an appleness to it. It's just a full apple. Like you see it in clarity, like you 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 see that. Aquinas also talked about how there needs to be, in a sense, wholeness around beauty, that there it should be um integrated. And so you shouldn't have something that's kind of broken up in pieces, which is kind of what the objectification that happens often in in the um, in the world today when we talk about beauty. It looks at a part of a woman, and we take that one part of saying, well, we just like this part of a woman, and we focus in on those parts of a woman. But we need to look at the whole. So there needs to also be like this wholeness within there. And then there also the third element that he talks about um, is this element of being, you know, of integrity. Like there should have integrity within it. Um he also mentions splendor too but we don't have to go into that. But the, but I think when I was looking at Aquinas and seeing what he had to say about beauty it made a lot of sense of like okay now when you have that definition beauty expands. It's not in the it, it's not a part of just the physical realm. Mm. It's so much more and you know we we say in our creed that we believe in the god of the visible and the invisible. The visible and the invisible. So we have this visible world that we are participating in, but there's an invisible world that's surrounding us as well and above us. And so beauty cannot just be pertained to the physical realm, the visible realm. There has to be something beautiful in the invisible realm. And then when you do that, you realize that beauty is an actual attribute of God. So when we define beauty with a broader sense through scripture, and even if with the help of Aquinas, if we'd like, we see that beauty is so much more than that. So that way that we can see, we can see somebody who cares for somebody on their deathbed as beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And with this definition, we can also look at ultimately, like the most beautiful event in all of history. If you're looking at this definition that scripture gives us, if it's really to reflect the glory of God, the most beautiful event in all of history is the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say that that's beautiful requires a broadening understanding of that term. And so when you, when you can look at the crucifixion and with sincerity, um, say that that's beautiful, that's, I think that's really being able to kind of, or entering into more of the definition of what maybe God is calling us, um, to describe that word of beauty.
1: It's beautiful. Very well said. Very nice. Um, does it? Uh, I know that you speak at a lot of conferences and, uh, you know, uh, my, my I have three daughters. They've all, I think, had, had heard you speak at various conferences. So I'm sure you have thousands and thousands of young women that look up to you. Um, does that stress you out at all, being a role model? Does that give you any kind of angst or do you put that in God's hands? Or how do you handle that part of your life? Because obviously you, you, you've come to a point that you're a servant Mm -hmm. of the Lord and you're a servant of his church. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that gives you a lot of peace and healing. Uh, but how do you handle it?
5: You know, I've, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of, um, and I continue to do have a lot of healing in my life. And I still do. That's an ongoing process and doesn't end, but I'm also very fortunate that God has given me the right mindset to move forward in this work with him. You know, um, I, I heard, I, I saw this on on social media somewhere, but it's a meme that says, "God's mission to you is not a conference call; it was a direct conversation between you and Him." And I love that because the mission that God has me on is just my business, mm. and I am called to show up to serve God and His people with dynamic joy. That's mm. what I say to myself. That is my job. That's my mission, and I know who I am. I am a repentant sinner. And I'm still repenting, and I'm calling all people to continue to repent and to live for the Lord. And so, I'm not perfect. I know who I am. I just said it. I'm a repentant sinner. So, if people expect something more than that, then uh, they, then they might need to re you know redefine with how they understand the word sinner. Um, and my mission. It's you know I I just really have faith in that, and I have a lot of hope, and that God's going to do something great with the with the role that He's given me, and um, You know, I've, I've learned over the years, I've been, I've been a speaker now for about 14 years. So I've been sharing my story for more than a decade. And, um, there've been a lot of people who have a lot of people who've just been, um, beautifully impacted because of God's power and grace. And I have been able to share with them some beautiful moments and there's been so many kind things, but, you know, there's also been a lot of, um, a lot of hate, Mm -hmm and a lot of people who um, speak out of their wounds. And that's a part of the the, the mission too, is to not hate them back and to um, sometimes let them speak their peace and then sometimes telling them, like, maybe you should stop. But either way, I think it's important that You know, I'm on a mission with the Lord. You're on a mission with the Lord. Everybody has a mission with the Lord to do, but that does not mean it's going to come with just rainbows and puppy dogs, right? Like there's going to be tough times in that mission, and so I don't have stress on my shoulders of people like looking up to me because they really should be looking to Christ. If I'm able to kind of direct the traffic to like people to look at him, yeah, I'm happy to do that. But, you know, if you have a problem kind of with my message or me, I just I I I kind of jokingly like to say, you need to take that up with <laughs> man, man, management because yeah. <laughs> I'm just in sales and um That's not my job, like I'm just here to point the way to the Lord. And for all those who kind of get their feathers ruffled or don't like it, you know, don't like maybe something I say a certain way or or whatever it might be, um, I give them to the Lord. And we respond with only love and peace, and we just kind of keep on with our mission.
1: So, and I know you, you uh, part of your apostolate, part of your mission is you really do help women really unleash the beauty of who they are, make them discover who they are. And so talk a little bit about your apostolate and, and what you do. I think you have coaching programs and, and the Lux mm-hmm. uh, University and, and the Lux app. Let us know a little bit more about that.
5: Sure, yeah. So we just launched a new element to my work, which is a coaching program. Awesome. It's called Power Made Perfect. And this is like, this is the work on my heart that's been brooding for 14 years. This is, everything that I've done has kind of like culminated into like this moment because what I've noticed over, you know, the 14 years of working actually in evangelization is that we have a lot of spiritual formation. We have very little, almost none in human formation. Mm. Um, the secular world would, would call that personal development. So personal development, human formation, it's the same thing. And our church talks about how human formation is actually one of the pillars of forming the person. And so, you know, this is something, though, that's kind of been put off to the side. And so what I've seen, I mean, I have had i have had hundreds of thousands of people that I have talked to over, over you know, 14 years come to me after my talks. And they're not asking me questions like, what novena should I pray to solve Mm -hmm. this problem? Or, you know, like, um, what is the process that I need to go through for prayer and adoration so I can, so I can fix these issues? The questions and the problems that they're coming to me with are, how can I forgive myself? How can I, how can I get out of this mindset that I think I'm not good enough for mercy or forgiveness? Um, and so, so that's really the work in human formation. And so I created a, program. It's a coaching program, group coaching program, where I lead the a 14-week um, group of people through this session, and the first half we have is in restoration, and the second half is in resurrection. And um, because we have to restore, we have to allow God to restore what's in us before we like jump into all the exterior works of you know going out there and being in mission with Him. But power made perfect is something that I'm so thankful that the Lord has put on my heart for so long and that it's finally here and available. Um, we actually just started the program now, and it's just it's already. Um, it just, it makes, it makes me so excited sounds and happy awesome. to work with people and to work with people who really want to work on themselves. Like mm-hmm. if, trust me, I, I am not for the person who wants to complain about their life every day. Mm-hmm. I am not for you. If you decide that this is as good as it's going to get, mm-hmm. I'm not your gal, <laughs> but I'm definitely your gal. And I will root for you. I'll be in your corner. If you're like, I know God has something more in store for me. I know that he wants me to grow and to come to like the next level of my life. I would love to work with you there. So we have that program. And that's what we're really focusing and focusing my time and energy on because it's, it's such a need inside the church. Um, We don't really have anything like this. And so we're working on starting with this program and then providing other ways that people can access different elements of human formation.
1: That's great. And how could they find out about it?
5: Yeah, just go to my website. It's leadarrow.com.
1: Awesome.
0: Um,
5: and you can find out all the information there. We already started our program, but we're happy to have you on the wait list and let you know the next time we're going to open it up. Um, and I'll be doing a little bit, I'll have some free master classes throughout the rest of this year that people can attend. And these are just like mini classes um, in the areas of personal development just to kind of help us um, break through some of the roadblocks that we sometimes face in life.
1: So these are live, they're not recordings, they're live presentations.
5: It's live coaching, yep. Right now we're doing live coaching. So every Tuesday night I go live with my group of people and we go through different concepts of um, really tackling our life with keeping Christ at the center, which is really the big difference of my program versus other personal development programs because, um, and I've participated in many secular personal development programs and I love them. Mm -hmm. However, there's that missing piece of like, okay, if I start with the self, and I work on the self and then I end with the self. And if I have all these problems that I'm admitting, I don't know how I'm really gonna be solving all my <laughs> own problems if I'm the source of my problems. Yeah. But when you put Christ in the center Amen. of all of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it blows it out of the water because then everything's focused on Christ. Then when you talk about like the affirmations you need to say to yourself, it's not like I am strong, it's God's strength works through me. Yeah. That changes how you think about yourself of like, I am strong, I am strong versus God's strength works through me. And when you start saying that affirmation to yourself each day, or like, God will not abandon me. He will not forsake me. That is such a difference when you have Christ at the center of that type of work. So sorry, I I get very excited about this. No, that's good. yeah, Huge uh, on my heart. Yeah. Uh, you
1: need to sell it. I'm glad you're excited. This is good. This is uh, this is <laughs> yeah. exciting news. This is exciting stuff. You know, we need we need to be saved. And and if you have a program Amen. that can offer that and, and direct people toward Christ, I'm all in. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, Amen. You know? Thank you. So, uh, is there anything you want to share? Uh, anything uh, outside of this program that's new? Anything you want to share with our viewers and listeners before you go?
5: Uh, just probably hope. Yeah. I uh, mm-hmm. you know. Hope is so amazing, my friends. It's something that you can have the smallest, you could have a sliver of it. You could barely be hanging on to it, but hope is so strong that that's all it needs. Mm. Just don't let go of hope. You just need the tiniest bit to make this biggest change in your life. So just keep hope alive. Amen. Keep it there. Don't extinguish that flame. And that smallest amount of hope can literally save your life.
1: Amen. 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 Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure uh, spending time with you. You're such a delight. You're a beautiful young woman inside and out. And uh, may you reach as many, many people as, as possible in our culture and our Amen. church. Amen.
5: All glory be to God. Thank yeah. you. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: So glad you joined us for this episode. I want to remind you to please share this podcast with others. Let everybody know we need to get as many people as possible to know God better. And if you've been blessed by our work, please consider going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.org. Also, join us on social media. It keeps us connected to our faith through our music, videos, and daily reflections. We have lots of great stuff to share with you on our social media platforms. Also, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily on Instagram at 3 p.m. So join us with the Universal Church as we pray together. Our guest next time will be Bishop Joseph Strickland. He is amazing. And by the way, it's our first bishop on the podcast. This is going to be really informative and a lot of fun. So thanks for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace.